Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. He is the greatest friend you will ever know. And His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, family. I know some of you are like, where is Pastor John today? I mean, he's here. He's around here somewhere. I don't know. We lost the pastor somewhere, but, but he's here. Oh, okay. He's here. I got validation. All right. But uh, I am Pastor Jenny, and my husband, Lionel, and I, we are your Connections Pastors here at the Building Christian Fellowship. We have the honor and the privilege of helping you get connected to your church family. We don't want any orphans walking around. We want to get you connected into the family, a part of the body of Christ. So if there's anybody today that um, you're not sure where to get involved, you're not sure how to get connected, you're not sure to where, where to even start, please come see myself and my husband this morning, and we would love to get you connected somewhere here in the body of Christ. We've got something for everybody here. Amen? Amen. And um, I'm going to pause and take a drink. How many of you know what's happening later this week? Husbands, I am going to help you out this morning, but Friday is Valentine's Day. In case you didn't know, here's the reminder. Here's the big red sign this morning. Friday is Valentine's Day, so we are into love week this week, and I can tell by the response this morning where you stand on your position with Valentine's Day. We've got the people who love it. We've got the people who hate it. I mean, and everything in between. You might be one of those couples. And honestly, like most of the like long lasting and healthy relationships that I have seen, a lot of them kind of think that Valentine's Day is just a, I see some people nodding their heads. They just think it's a man-made holiday, not worth celebrating, that it's all about materialism and commercialism and all of that. We also have some of, you know, maybe you're single and you don't need the extra reminder of a day to remind, you're not happy about being single. Now, there's some people that are single and happy about being single, okay? But then there's some people, they don't need the reminder. Yes, amen. There are some people that don't need the reminder being flashed at them with the red hearts and the pink hearts and everything reminding them that they're single another Valentine's Day. And then you've got people all the way over here who love Valentine's Day, right? It is the opportunity uh, this time of year to show your public displays of affection all over social media, right? You can't stand the person every other day of the year, but this day we're going to show everybody our love. So we've got everything. I'm probably somewhere in the middle of all of that. I think that it's not necessarily you know, a bad thing to have a day to remind us to appreciate and love on the people that we love in our life. And it does not always have to be a romantic kind of love. Amen. We love our kids. The kids love Valentine's Day. It's a good opportunity to remind us to appreciate the people that we love. So I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of the mix. And wherever you find yourself, you find yourself on that spectrum. But how many of you this morning, since we're talking about 
since it's love week, and I promise you this is not a message about romance and love and, and couples and marriage and all of that, but since it is Valentine's week, I just wanted to ask you a question. How many of you are familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages? Almost everybody is familiar either with the book, you've read it, or you're familiar with the concept of the love languages. It's basically talking about that everybody has kind of their own way of receiving love, that there's like five different ways you can show love to your partner or to your kids, or it's not just romantic love, it's about the people you love in your life and finding the best way to show them that you love them. People receive love in different ways. So like, for some people, words of affirmation are a big deal. We learned in first service that that's Brother Carlos's love language, everybody. So just in case you were wondering, words of affirmation. When you say nice things to me, it makes me feel most loved. Like, you're beautiful. You're a great husband. You're a great wife. Um, you're a great kid. You're a great whatever. Um, words of affirmation make me feel most loved. And for some people, it's acts of service, right? Like, when you offer to take the kids to school for me in the morning so I have a little extra free time, like, I, that makes me feel loved. When you come up and do those dishes without even being asked, like, that makes me feel so loved. Acts of service. When you prepare that meal for me, when I come home and no one asked you to and it's my favorite meal, when you do something for me, get the vacuum cleaner out, you, you get the idea. It makes me feel loved. Um, for some people, it's receiving gifts, doesn't always have to be even anything expensive. It can just be you, you saw a beautiful flower and picked it on the side of the road and brought it home to me. It can be um, whatever. When I'm receiving something from you, it means that you've thought about me and I feel loved. There's only two more. Hang in there. Quality time. This is my love language. Because if you make time for me, because just like uh, Pastor Donald said earlier, I don't believe that the, the most valuable commodity on this earth is money, but it is time. You can always make more money, but you cannot make more time. Once time's been spent, it's spent. We don't make any more. So when you make quality time for me, that makes me feel most loved. And number five is physical touch. And because there's kids in the room, we won't get too deep, okay, on that one. But sometimes it's just, you know, you grabbing my hand when we're out walking in public, or instead of sitting on the other side of the room in the living room, you come sit by me on the couch. I feel most loved when I receive physical touch. So the five love languages, right? How many of you know this morning that God has a love, la love language? He does. You know, there's lots of ways for us to show our love to God. We just got done showing some love for God through our worship, through singing and pouring out our heart before him. And he receives our love when we do that. There's other ways that make God feel loved. Just like there's five love languages for us, we can receive love in any of those ways. But usually there's one in particular that's special to us that makes us feel extra loved. And that's what I'm saying about God this morning, that he receives love in a lot of different ways when we serve him. He receives love when we love other people because we're all his kids. And how many of you know when, when someone pours out their love on your kid, it makes you feel loved? And so he loves all of those things. There's lots of ways we could go into all the ways that God receives love, but we want to talk especially this morning about his love language. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 5 or chapter 11, sorry. 
but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to even please him. Faith, or I like to say it this way, trust is God's love language. And God is saying to you this morning, do you trust me? We're gonna get into it this morning. I like that it's quiet today because we're gonna dig a little deep into some of y'all's trust issues this morning. If you love somebody, you pretty much automatically want to please them, right? And God is giving us the answer right here. When you, I believe if you're sitting in these chairs this morning, on a Sunday morning, you made it to church, that you probably love God. Amen. If you were just standing up and worshiping him, I'm pretty sure there we have a room full of God lovers this morning. And when you love someone and you know that someone loves you, like there is nobody who loves me like Jesus loves me. Nobody can do me like Jesus. There is nobody that loves me like him. And when someone loves me like that, I want to please them. And he's given us the answer right here. You know, sometimes there's something that's like, God, I've been praying about this or praying about that. I I don't know the answer. And God's like, but on this particular thing, he lays it out right in his word. If you want to please God, walk by faith. Live in faith. Trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I don't know about you, but the people in my life I want to, that love me, I want to please them. Amen? The truth is, we've got to trust him at all times. Trust is something that's developed over time through experiences. So when you first meet somebody, you don't typically automatically just trust them, right? You got to get to know them. You've got to spend time with them. You got to go through some things with them. Even married couples, you stand up here and you say, I do by faith because you haven't necessarily lived with that person yet and gone through some experiences yet. The faith hasn't, or the trust hasn't necessarily been built quite yet, but every experience that you go through together and keep standing together, that trust is built. And God's like, we got, baby, we got to go through some experiences together. We got to go through the roller coaster ride because there's a lot of times that because we've got trust issues, because people have let us down, because people we looked up to, people we trusted broke our hearts or betrayed us or lied to us, and now we're having trouble trusting. God knows that. But he also knows that trust is built over time, that you're going to have to go through some experiences together and say, I'm going to keep holding on no matter what, kind of like married couples, like, No matter what we go through, I'm going to keep holding on. And as you go through those experiences, I'm glad some married couples said I'm into that. That was good. Okay. Um, Every time we go through something together like that, foundation of trust gets even stronger. We fortify it through every experience that we go through together. And it's the same way with God. And it's all right to be honest with God. We don't always understand everything we go through. And some things are painful to go through. And we're wondering like, God, if you're so good, why did you let me go through this? 
or why did you let this happen in my life? I think that's probably the biggest question that every Christian has to face in their life. If God is good, why did this bad thing, why did he allow this to happen to me, right? Now we're confused. Now we got some trust issues. God, I'm not sure I can trust you. You said I could trust you, but I prayed for this thing and it never happened. I prayed and I believed and I cried some tears and I prayed some more and I believed again and it still didn't happen. So how can I trust you? It's okay to be honest with God, but we've got to move from a place in our relationship with God that it's not all about give me, give me, give me, God. Do for me what I need you to do. And if you don't do it, I'm not sure I can trust you. We've got to move from a place where it's like, okay, God, I don't understand what's happening in my life right now. I don't understand why this bad thing happened or why you didn't answer my prayer when I needed it, when I needed you to, the way I wanted you to. But we get to a point where underneath all those questions, there's still that underlying foundation of trust that says, even if you don't fix it, I'm still going to trust you. God is definitely more interested in the person that you're becoming than he is about the situation that you're going through. The meaning of life is not to be happy and successful. It's to be more like Jesus. A lot of us have been let down, so God understands that you might be slow to trust, but we live in a fallen and broken world, guys. We live in a, with a bunch of fallen and broken people. And we're going to let each other down from time to time. But that doesn't mean that God, that we should project our earthly situations onto our heavenly Father. We got some trust issues, and we're going to deal with that today. That is the title of our message this morning. Some of us have trust issues not just with people, but with God. I prayed, I believed it never happened, so I can't trust you. You allowed the bad stuff to happen in my life, so I can't trust you. And here's the thing, like most of us, when we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, we have no problem with the first part of the verse that says, it is impossible to please God. Oh, wait, without faith, it is impossible to please God because we, first we have to believe that he is, meaning that we just believe that he exists. That's not too hard for us. You probably wouldn't be sitting in church on a Sunday morning week after week if you didn't believe that God existed, right? That's not the problem where our faith comes in. Our faith come, our trust issues come in to the second part of the verse where it says that we've got to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In other words, we've got to believe that he's good. Only good people are rewarders. You got to be good to be a rewarder, but some of us aren't sure if God is a rewarder or if he's even good. We have no, belief, no problem believing that he can do something. We just have a problem believing if he will do it for me. Some of us look at our heavenly father the same way that we look at our earthly father. And for some of us, you're like, I've never known a father who was consistent. I've never known a father who was faithful. 
See, my father walked out on me. My father was abusive. My father, so I'm, what I've learned is I can't trust a father because they'll be unfaithful. They'll be inconsistent. They'll be mean. Some of us have a hard time trusting our father because our heavenly father, because we're looking at, or, or we don't believe that he's good or that he wants to reward me because I haven't been good. We know ourselves all too well, right? We know the imperfections. We know the mistakes that we've made. We know that all the times over and over again that we've let him down. So maybe he doesn't want to do for me anything good. I want to help you out this morning, okay? Before we came this morning and gathered together, I prayed for this moment. I prayed for you. I didn't see all your faces, but God knew every face of every person that would be in this room this morning, and he wants to help you out with your trust issues today. Listen, whether or not in the few hours you've been awake on this Sunday morning, you've made hundreds of mistakes, or maybe you woke up and you were a perfect angel this morning and made zero mistakes before you walked in the room. Like you, <laughs> you jumped out of bed and you were like, ah, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You're getting a little insight to how I wake up in the morning. No, just kidding. I don't usually. But you woke up this morning, you were full of joy. Your kids spilled milk on the table and you're like, it's okay, honey. This is the day the Lord has made. We just clean it up. The dog threw up all over the floor, and you're like, it's okay. We'll just clean it up. It's a great day. Let's rejoice and be glad And it. You came. You made zero mistakes. Like, you were an angel. But last week, like, you rolled out on the wrong side of the bed, stepped on the Lego that was left on the floor by the kid, and some unholy words were not, or came out of your mouth before any holiness came out of your mouth that morning. And everything spiraled down from there. Like, you couldn't get anything right. Do you know that whether it was last week or whether it's this week, that God loved you the same last week as he loves you this week? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's not based on what we do right and what we do wrong. It never changes. He could never love us more or love us any less regardless of what we do. Like, let that sink in this morning. I'm sure you've heard it before, but have you received it into your heart that God does not change his love for you based on your performance? I want you to lean in this morning and listen to this statement. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. There is nothing you did that made God start loving you, and there's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. Some people received that revelation this morning. There is absolutely nothing that you did. The very fact that you exist is why he loves you. Whether you do wrong the rest of your life, whether you do right the rest of your life, it will not change the fact that he loves you and he wants good things for you. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, 
in the message translation. It says this, God told them, I've never quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. I'm trying to help you this morning to understand that you are loved unconditionally and forever by God. And if someone loves you, they want good things for you. But you've questioned it because you've been disappointed because things didn't work out the way that you planned them to. God still loves you and he can be trusted. Psalms 84 verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He wants to give you good things. Like he is ready to give you and bless you with good things. Luke eleven 13, we're going through these kind of fast today. Don't miss it. If you then If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He wants to give you good things. We're evil by nature, and we want to give our kids good things, right? Imagine how someone who is good by nature wants to give you good things. Romans 8, 38 through 39 For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, I think that covers everything, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing we do, nothing outside of us that happens, absolutely nothing can separate his love from us. Okay. Have I given enough evidence this morning? Does everybody believe that God is good and that he loves you? Amen. Because there's a lot more scriptures we could go over. We could be here all day. That's how much he loves us. And if God loves us and he wants good things for us, don't you believe that he wants what's best for us? So what if what's best for us is a no to what we're praying for? Or what if it's a wait? Yes, but not right now. Do we trust him enough to say, okay, you know what's best for me. I've just heard over and over again how much you love me, how much you want to give me good things. So if you're not giving me this right now, there must be a reason you're saying no or saying wait, and I trust you. This is how we get past our trust issues. Like I used the example this morning, Pastor Donald is not going to give Wisdom or Jericho, one of the twins, the keys to the car just because they ask for it. Father God is not necessarily going to just give us something just because we ask for it. Why isn't Pastor Donald giving the keys to the kids, the keys to the car? I mean, isn't he good? Doesn't he want to give good things to his kids? He's saying no because he loves his kids, right? Because they do not understand the power and the responsibility that comes with those car keys at this age. So he's not necessarily saying no forever, but it's no for right now. You're too young. You don't grasp 
Every parent in this room can understand that. I mean, you were nervous at 16, 17, 18, giving them the car keys, right? I imagine at 13, 14, giving the car keys. And Father God, our Heavenly Father, is looking at us with love like, sweetheart, I want to give you that. I really do. And I'm holding it here for you. But you're not ready for it right now. Are we okay with that? I don't know why I had to wait more than 20 years to become a mom. Like I was believing from the time that I was very young to be a mom. And it took until I was in my 40s to become a mom. And just a year ago, or a year ago, yeah, a year ago last week, we officially adopted our daughter. Yes, amen. But I want to see, I want to show you this morning. You guys can put up the picture. I want to show you what trust looks like, okay? Look at this picture. Yes, this is me and my daughter. <laughs> Look at her face. Pure joy and exhilaration. Okay, we're jumping from one mat to the next mat. Nothing crazy or dangerous, but at any moment, like I could trip and fall forward, right? Although momentum is going forward, I'm going to fall on her. At any moment, I could lose my grip and she could fall out of my hands, but she is not worried about any of that, right? She is having a blast. She's just along for the ride because she trusts that the person who's holding on to her is able to hold on to her, and more importantly, that she loves her. I guess there's probably a reason why Jesus said, unless we become like little children, we won't enter into the kingdom. We, we got to go back, like go back in your memory banks. Some of us have to go farther back than others <laughs> to that time before you were ever disappointed, to that time of innocence when it was easy to trust, when all you wanted to do, she longed to trust a mom. Because before me, she didn't really have a mom that she could trust. So she longed for it. Aren't you longing for that? Do you remember? Remember what it was like when you first met the Lord? Like, I need someone I can trust. Complete trust in that little face. And she'd only known me a few months at that point. Can you trust that he loves you enough? We've laid the foundation enough to know that he's going to make sure. Like I was going to make sure no matter what, I was not going to fall. Okay? I was not going to drop her. And God is like, baby, I'm going to hold on to you. I am not going to drop you. I'm going to make sure that that situation does not devastate your life, but I'm going to bring something good out of it. Do you believe Romans 8, 28? He can take any situation and turn it around and use it for our good. In fact, that's what he does. Like that is his specialty. There is nobody else that can do that. But our God, he can take the bad and bring something good out of it and make you go, I'm glad that it happened. I'm so glad that it took 20 years because if I had happened sooner, 
I wouldn't be the mom of this girl. And she was always meant to be my baby. She was always meant to be my daughter. She was always meant to be a Davis. But I had to trust him in the process. What does trusting God look like? I've got four quick points we're going to go through this morning. Rapid fire, okay? You can look up the scriptures later, but they're going to put the four points on the board. Take a picture of it, whatever you got to do. What does trusting God really look like? Number one, it means that we trust his timing. Okay? We want everything now. Oh, my gosh. Imani has gotten into this like thing of like, she wants everything now. I'm like, she's like, I'm hungry. I want dinner. So, I mean, it takes a minute. Even if I'm just heating something up in the microwave, I got to get the plate out and put the food on the plate and stick it in the microwave. But she wants it now. She'll sit down at the table and she's ready to eat. And I'm like, I just started. We want everything now. But if we trust God, we'll trust his timing. Like I would have liked to be a mom in my 20s, but it took until my 40s to be a mom, but there's things that I know now being on this side of the promise that I understand why it didn't happen before. And sometimes you're not going to understand even this side of eternity. We just are asked to trust him. Second Peter 3, 8 through 9, in the Message Bible, it says, don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. A thousand years is a day. Like he is not worried about time. That 20 years to me seemed like eternity was nothing. It was a moment in time for him. Literally seconds. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And like I said, I'm going through these kind of fast, so just write it down as we go. To everything, there's a season and a time. God has it all worked out, honey. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You're going to get there. But see, there's a process we need to go through in order to get us ready for there. Amen? Amen. Number two, what trusting God really looks like is we trust that he is good. We've already talked about this, yes, all the time. Let's not just say the cliche, but let's really mean it in our hearts. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, regardless of what it looks like right now. I trust him. So trusting God means trusting that he is good. Matthew 7, 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to you? Psalms 84, 11, we already said it that he's not going to withhold any good thing from them that walk uprightly. He wants to give you good things. So trusting God, it looks like trusting that he is good. Number three, trusting God means that we trust that he is for us. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. I know we've heard that so many times before, but like there should be some comfort and some confidence in knowing that the God of the universe is on my side. 
What you're facing may seem huge to you, but the, to the God of the universe, it's small. It's nothing. A wave of a lift of his finger and he can fix it all. And he's for us. He's on our side, you guys. He's on our side. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. This is Joseph talking. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Listen, what you're going through right now is it's probably not just about you. And how he solves the problem is not just about affecting your life. It's about affecting your kids' lives. It's about how it's going to affect your mom's life, your dad's life, your friend's life, the people that are in your community that surround you. It's not just about you, baby. It's about all the people connected to you. It wasn't just about Joseph and his life in that moment. It was about his family. It was about their surrounding community. He saved many by trusting God. God was able to save many because he chose to trust God. And number four, what does trusting God look like? It means that we trust that he knows best. We trust that he knows best. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter three, verse 18, as they're getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they say, but even if he doesn't, talking about their God, we wanna make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up, God. That's trust. Like even if we burn up in this furnace, we're not bowing to your idols that you've created. God, even if you don't, you know, I got to a point in this journey to become a mom where I could honestly say, God, even if I never become a mom, I'm still going to trust you. I will still serve you. I can honestly say in the beginning, I probably couldn't have said that. But as we went through experience after experience, and I'm getting ready to close Atira, as we went through experience after experience together, me and God on this journey, that foundation of trust got firmer and firmer. I watched him do miracles in my life over and over and over again. I watched him be faithful to me over and over and over again. And it's like, if you can do all of that, surely you can do this one last thing for me, God. He knew it was the biggest, the deepest, the most important longing in my heart. So why was that the last thing to, for him to fulfill? because he was more concerned about me trusting him and knowing him than he was in giving me what I wanted. Man, 20 years is a long time, and I can't tell you all the things that we went through over those years. But in the last three years of the process, that's about how long it took from the time we, we started the adoption process adoption process to when Imani came to live with us. And then it was almost a year later after that, that she was officially adopted into our family. 
even those three years, we went through so much of having to just trust God. If anybody has ever experienced the process of becoming a foster parent, it is grueling. And it's not all the paperwork, because I mean, we've got stacks of paperwork literally this high in our house, just going through the process of all the things that you have to fill out and complete and do it over and over again and all of that throughout the process. And then the process takes too long and things expire and you have to do it over again. It's tedious. But that's not the part. The part that is so grueling and difficult is how invasive they get into your lives. Like, I could just go out and get pregnant and no one, everybody's going to say, congratulations, good job, this is great, hallelujah. But when you want to bring a foster child into your life, it's like they've got to dig into every piece. They do credit checks. They do, they know everything about your life from the moment that you're birthed out of your mother's womb, literally, to the point, to that very present day. You have to tell them everything about your childhood and everything about your upbringing and what your parents were like. And and then they've got to know, um, they do the credit checks. They run everything about everything you've ever done in your life. They do your fingerprints and they know every little thing about your life. And they don't just know about your life. Then they get the people they, they want to know who the people are that you're going to have around this foster child, and they want to do their fingerprints too and do a background check on all of them. It's, it's invasive. And we got to the end of the process where we've been through all the paperwork. We finally did the home study where they come into your home. That's a whole nother story. And they invade your home to make sure to say, yes, you're qualified, boom, or no, you're disqualified. And... We get to the end where they're, we're at the point where we've been approved and they're matching us up with children. And we go through about two different, two different um, times they came to us about children and for different reasons it didn't work out. The first one, it was a situation where the fam- a family member stepped in or a relative. And then the next situation was um, a little girl that This was the hard one because we had set our minds on a little girl probably around two or three years old was what we were thinking. And they bring to us an eight-year-old girl. And everybody warns you, you know, by the time they're eight, then, you know, they're too far gone. Um, There's going to be a lot of issues, whatever. But for some reason, our hearts really connected with the story of this little girl. And we heard about how she was thriving despite all the difficulties she had been through in her life, she was now thriving in the situation um, that she was in, and she was just looking for a permanent home. She just needed a mom and a dad just to kind of complete things, and so our heart went out to them, and so we agreed to meet with the social worker, and the social worker begins the meeting with, out of the blue, with sort of an interrogation of who we are. At this point, usually they already know. They've already, people have already done all the interrogating that they're going to do. They have your profile. They know everything about you. But then they started, you know, interrogating me and, and nitpicking on the things that I feared the most. And the biggest thing that I was afraid of when I started this adoption process is that I'll be disqualified because I have um, a heart condition. And they're going to be concerned of like, how long is she going to live? How long can she be? And that's legitimate. But it was also my biggest fear that like, we've been through all of this. It's been three years. 
And now you're bringing up the one thing that I'm afraid of most that's gonna make me disqualified is because I've got a heart condition. And then they start talking to my husband and they start picking on his biggest fear. You know, they knew all about his past, his childhood. He grew up without a dad. There was abuse in the home. There was just a lot of stuff that happened in his childhood. And he was concerned that he would be disqualified. That was like his biggest fear was that because he didn't have a father, he wouldn't know how to be a father. So they'll disqualify him because of that. No one who gets pregnant has to think about any of these things. And it's like, okay, we're, we're at the last straw. Like this is, if it doesn't happen this way, we're, I'll never be a mom. Because we already know medically there's things going on that that's not gonna happen that way. We've tried those routes. And now they're about, this guy's about to disqualify us from a situation we didn't even plan on. Like it, so we find out a few days later from our social worker that, yeah, they decided to go a different direction with a different family. The reality was they already had made a, a, a set plan with this other family. I don't even know why they, they agreed to meet with us. They're not really supposed to have, you know, once you've committed a child to another family, you don't usually talk to another family. So I don't know what happened there, but that, they were just looking. They weren't really looking to see if we'd be a good match. They were looking for a reason to say no to us. But as our social worker, she's leaving me this voicemail message telling me this, I'm at work. She's at the end of the conversation. She's just like, but I got a call from another social worker about this three-year-old little girl. Her name is Imani. And I'm not sure if you'd be interested because the foster mom thinks that there's some speech delay going on and that, there, that she might be on the spectrum. And, um, there might be some learning disabilities and things like that that you'd have to deal with. And um, so I'm not really sure if that's what you're interested in, but give me a call back. <laughs> and the rest is kind of history, guys, because that picture was of Imani Hope Davis and me, her mom. We went ahead and called on the situation. And I, I, I just think back. I'd love to share the story and I'd love to give all the details, but... The point is, is that during that entire process, we had lots of times that we wanted to step off of that foundation of trust in God and just walk away. I wanted to give up a lot of times because it had already been years before that of trying to have babies and I was tired. Have anybody ever been tired? But I can stand up here this morning and tell you I'm so glad I'm so glad we didn't give up. I'm so glad that we trusted God. When I think about where my baby could be today in the system, like what if we had given up? What would have happened to Imani? You hear the stories. But we trusted. We trusted a loving father. See, I just knew in my heart of hearts that he wasn't gonna let us down. No matter how many disappointments we encountered along the ways, no matter how many ups there were, how many downs there were, like, that we could trust him. Can you stand to your feet this morning? Maybe you're dealing with some trust issues this morning. Please don't project 
your trust issues with people on to our heavenly father because I'm here to tell you this morning that he is trustworthy even if he says no even if it never happens I will serve you I will love you I will trust that you know what's best for me. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.